0: Let's talk about one of the most important, yet most misunderstood and least appreciated topic, manufacturing. Everything around us comes from manufacturing, yet we're not exposed to its details. Your smartphone, computer, clothes, household appliances, cars, the cement that was used to build your home, everything came from a factory. It's no wonder that global exports of manufactured goods amount to whopping $16 trillion a year. Going back in history, the world was transformed in the 18th and 19th centuries by industrial revolution, which was founded upon manufacturing. The rise of numerous countries like the UK, USA, Germany, Japan, South Korea, and now China was founded upon a robust industrial sector. Every successful country in modern history followed this path of industrialization, AKA manufacturing, to create jobs, a solid middle class, a modern society, and rapid economic growth. Yet, thanks to globalization and financial capitalism run by Wall Street, Only 3% of the American population now work in manufacturing, and it has severe consequences not only for the economy, but also security. For example, the CEO of Raytheon, one of the world's largest military-slash-weapons manufacturers, recently admitted that decoupling from China is not an option because his company depends on thousands of Chinese suppliers. Similarly, US fighter jets and missiles cannot function without rare earth minerals, permanent magnets, and critical chemicals, minerals, and alloys from China. As another example, consider India. 75% of medicines made in India depend on raw materials or API imported from China. Also, 80% of smartphones in India are Chinese brands. And when India needs to dig tunnels for its metro system in Mumbai or uh, Bombay, all the machines, even the Western brands, are manufactured in and imported from China. Going back to the US, The ignorance about manufacturing is revealed by numerous false claims and hopes since 2015, starting with Trump. Americans were told, and are still being told, that Chinese only make cheap, low-tech products. It's easy to offshore manufacturing from China to other countries. Trade wars and tariffs will bring manufacturing back to the U.S., I have debunked some of these claims in another podcast on Peter Zion, the popular anti-China expert. Big misconception, sorry, big misconception about manufacturing. Well, there are a myriad of misconceptions about manufacturing simply because we're not exposed to it and the mainstream media does an awful job of explaining it. When was the last time you have visited a factory that makes steel or plastic, bicycles or cars, televisions or washing machines? For most of us, the answer would be never. Thus, when you ask someone about, say, manufacturing of an iPhone, they conjure up an image of thousands of low-wage workers assembling the smartphone. This is a travesty. Why? because the assembly of smartphones is the very last step in manufacturing. We don't get to talk about the actual manufacturing of the 200 or so components that go into the iPhone. Think about all the sophisticated and high-tech items in an iPhone. The touchscreen, myriad of semiconductor chips, battery, speaker, camera, and so on. All those components require tremendous investments in highly sophisticated manufacturing facilities. Manufacturers of these high tech parts also need expensive scientists with PhDs in electrical engineering, material science, physics, math, chemistry, etc. As for the iPhone CPU, only two companies in the world. TSMC from Taiwan and Samsung from South Korea can make them. And that requires billions of dollars of investments in semiconductor fabs. Thus, the complex and advanced aspects of manufacturing are hidden from the mainstream narrative. I think this is done deliberately by Western media to justify outsourcing all these jobs. The hidden and explicit narrative is manufacturing is dirty and lowly so don't worry about us sending those manufacturing jobs abroad. Myths about cheap products. Okay now let's demystify one more perception about manufacturing that cheap goods are inherently bad. There's obviously some truth to it more expensive goods are usually are of better quality. A BMW is obviously better than a Toyota Corolla. However, sometimes a higher price is purely due to marketing. You can buy a Louis Vuitton t-shirt for $100, but is it really worth it? The real marvel to be discussed here is how manufacturers can lower the price of a product without compromising quality. One, the first method is to increase the quantity of production. This is the benefit of scale, as described by Wright's law, W-R-I-G-H-T. This is the reason why even the most advanced smartphone CPU costs only about $100, even though it requires a billion dollar fabrication facility. When Apple sells 200 million phones a year, the cost per component goes down. The scaling factor is also one of the key secrets of China's success in manufacturing. This is why, even after five years of trade wars, China still remains America's number one source for apparel, furniture, bedding, lamps, toys, sports equipment, etc., However, many people don't understand this simple scaling process and denigrate Chinese products. By the way, it's not easy to scale. You need to invest in more or bigger machines, employ more people, build new factories, improve supply chain, and so on. The second method to improve productivity is to create more efficient processes. This was Henry Ford's success. He created the modern assembly line, which enabled more Ford cars to be built. The Japanese also excelled in this efficiency. Of course, the process is not just limited to the factory floor, but every aspect of the operation, from procurement of raw materials to shipment of final products. Basically, it's about how to do things faster and better. The third answer is innovation. For example, a Chinese company named Gattion just came up with a new battery for electric cars and it costs 25% less than the existing ones. The secret? Rather than using nickel and cobalt, which are relatively more expensive, The LMFP battery uses lithium, manganese, iron, and phosphate. Now, Chinese companies also have come up with sodium ion battery, which eliminates lithium and thus will be much cheaper. Another example of this kind of innovation is the German company BASF, which had a catchy advertisement slogan once. We don't make the products, we make them better. The fourth solution consists of cheaper raw materials and intermediate goods. For example, think of all the products that have steel or plastics. Obviously, the manufacturers of these goods can lower the price of these goods if the raw materials, steel and plastics are cheaper. Similarly, cheaper intermediate goods will also lower the price of the final products. For example, cheaper hard drives can lower the price of a laptop. We will discuss later how such an ecosystem can be established. Number five, mastery of end-to-end supply chain also bestows an enormous advantage. Bide is the world's number one electric car company in terms of units sold. It has 30 plus subsidiaries that make everything from batteries and semiconductor chips to every mechanical and electrical component. This is why Byte can offer a decent electric car for only $11,000. The sixth solution is the use of automation and robotics. Take Tesla's Gigafactory in Shanghai, which will churn out almost 1 million cars this year. Not because of countless number of Chinese workers, but because of robots. China buys half of all industrial robots in the world. That's one of their secrets to success. Myths about cheap labor. While the cost of labor is important, It's not the only factor, as we just discussed, how to lower prices. The labor myth is again a propaganda of Western corporations, which use it as an excuse to lower wages, offshore manufacturing, and increase the profits for the oligarchy of shareholders. Consider China, where the wages per hour and wages per unit have skyrocketed over the last two decades. Manufacturing wage per hour grew tenfold and manufacturing wage per unit grew 16 fold. However, during that time, China's share of global manufacturing grew from 6% to 30%. And China's share of uh, global exports of merchandise grew from 2% to 15%. And even in labor-intensive manufacturing, the success of an industry depends more than cheap labor. Take textile, which conjures up images of sweatshops. However, China leads the world and exports seven times as much as India, even though related wages in China are four times higher than in India. In this case, it's due to Chinese efficiency in the entire supply chain, starting with growing cotton. Looking at cotton yields per hectare, Chinese farmers are 4.5 times more productive than Indian farmers, and one can walk every step of the way. One, research into better seeds. This needs, obviously, sophisticated labs and scientists. Number two, machines for sewing and picking cotton. A top-notch John Deere machine costs a cool half a million dollars. Number three, how cotton is turned into threads. This requires hundreds of millions of dollars of investments in machines in dedicated factories. Number four, how the entire ecosystem is built. For example, uh, the companies that are manufacturing clothes would also benefit from nearby companies that make dyes for coloring, buttons, labels, zippers, and whatever else that is needed in manufacturing of apparels. Next, skilled laborers. There's a lot of craftsmanship involved in making apparels. For example, consider Shine, the $100 billion ultra fast fashion Chinese company. It makes more than 1,000 new products every day. Just astonishing. How do they do that? Skilled people. Next, how factories are organized. For example, China can build a campus with dormitories for 1,000 workers that make them more efficient. Next, transportation fast trains, trucks, highways, large seaports, and so on. So, for example, China has six out of the Uh, uh, of 10 busiest seaports in the world. So that helps expedite import of raw materials as well as export of finished goods. Virtuous cycle of manufacturing. Manufacturing creates a virtuous cycle of jobs, higher wages, economic growth, and productivity. Consider the following statistics. Only 16% of households in India own all these following three appliances, television, refrigerator, and washing machine. Why? Because most of these products are imported and are too expensive. This is the kind of problem that domestic manufacturing can solve. First, local manufacturing will create more jobs and expand the middle class can buy consumer goods and thus boost gdp and create more jobs including white collar jobs second manufacturing at scale will make products cheaper as we saw before third these items will increase productivity of people and thus boost gdp so for example uh, women who have refrigerators, washing machines, uh, microwaves, dishwashers, and so on at home, will have more free time and uh, they might be able to get a job. This is a virtuous cycle. And when you don't have manufacturing, the situation becomes a catch-22 trap. That is, People cannot buy a washing machine because they don't have high wages and the product is not cheaper. And the corporation won't invest in a manufacturing plant to create high wage jobs and cheaper products because there are not enough buyers, right? And you can see that in the India example. If you ask people why they're not building or manufacturing more washing machines, uh, the companies would say, well, there are not enough buyers. So it's a catch-22 cycle. Western economists have known this for a long time. For example, there are the three Caldor's laws, K-A-L-D-O-R, which state that the growth in manufacturing sector increases three things, productivity of the manufacturing sector, productivity of the non-manufacturing sector and growth of the gdp throughout modern history this paradigm was well understood by successful nations like uk usa germany japan south korea china etc mercantilism and exports While manufacturing to to meet local demand is important, the next step should be to export manufactured value-added goods. That's the surest way to accumulate wealth, especially foreign exchange reserves. Exports is how you accumulate wealth, which you can then use to invest in infrastructure, technology, and people now this is often derided as mercantilism in the western media but this mercantilist strategy was once the foundation of america's success in the 19th century by the way the u.s was world's number one in manufacturing for 100 years then china surpassed the u.s in 2009 now China's manufacturing is twice as large as that of the U.S. Thus, export-driven manufacturing is critical, especially for developing nations, but also applied to all nations, unless you are the U.S. with an exorbitant privilege of printing dollars with impunity. But even the U.S. will soon realize that this free ride cannot last forever. Here are other factors that are essential for success in manufacturing. One, design to prototype to production. There are many steps in manufacturing before assembly, the pictures of which we are accustomed to. The first step is designing products, a process that requires a lot of creativity and specialized skills. Think of IKEA, a company that turned furniture into a cool thing and a profitable business. But the people who manufacture for IKEA must also be smart to turn ideas into prototypes and finally into mass production. Similarly, Shane, the multi-billion dollar Chinese company we mentioned earlier, can turn an idea into a product in just 10 days while its competitors like Zara take three weeks. American companies who are trying to offshore manufacturing to other countries are finding out the truth about such skills. For example, a Vietnamese manufacturer may take a month to create a prototype while a Chinese company may take just three days. Next, scalability and flexibility. A good manufacturing facility should be able to scale up and down. Think of big demands around Christmas season or special holidays or events. And the factory should also be flexible and adaptable. New products, new designs, new components, new features, new constraints, new law, new technology, the answer to all those should be no problem. That would make a successful manufacturer. Next, infrastructure. Factories must have land, electricity, water, buildings, warehouses, roads, internet, etc. And they must be affordable and plentiful. This may sound easy, but developing nations or even some parts of the U.S. and Europe may struggle to provide high-quality infrastructure. In Europe, the anti-Russia sanctions have backfired and crippled many crucial industrial sectors due to increased cost of oil, gas, and electricity. Look at the electric car sector in China. Last year, China made and sold 6 million EVs, accounting for 58% of the global market share. One of the reasons for this astonishing success is infrastructure, i.e. chargers. The Chinese government, with partnership of private firms, has built millions of public and private chargers to charge the electric cars. Without that, EV cannot take off. Next, transportation. Although this falls under infrastructure, it must be spelled out. China is a great example for this. Fast freight trains, some of them are even just redesigned bullet trains, large seaports that can handle massive ships and 270 million containers a year new strategically located airports all over the country, uh, freight trains that can travel thousands of miles, like from Xi'an, China, to Barcelona, Spain. These incredible things underpin China's success in manufacturing. Meanwhile, freight trains in India go at an average speed of 25 kilometers per hour. And in the U.S., There are 1,000 train derailments every year, and some of them are very dangerous. Next, ecosystem. If there's one most important factor that has prevented foreign companies from quickly leaving China, it is the ecosystem. This is China's unique secret sauce. There is an ecosystem for every kind of factory. For example, consider Tesla's uh, Gigafactory in Shanghai. Tesla cars there get 95% of the components from Chinese suppliers. There are literally thousands of individual parts in a car, and China has created an ecosystem of manufacturers that can cater to every need. The proximity of suppliers dramatically decreases cost and increases productivity of factories. Similarly, a smartphone company would like to work closely with other firms that specialize in microphones, speakers, cameras, screens, printed circuit boards, and so on. And other service experts such as international lawyers, marketing consultants, and designers are also indispensable in this manufacturing ecosystem. Without such 360-degree ecosystem, no country can expect to be a manufacturing superpower. Shenzhen, the electronics capital of the world, is a stellar example of such ecosystems. Next, government support. Think tax breaks, subsidies, incentives trade agreements etc for the overall success of manufacturing you need a very smart and visionary government that plans 5 10 20 years in advance makes huge investments knows how to attract and keep foreign and domestic investors provide tax cuts and subsidies negotiate smart trade deals, and so on, to create a win-win agreement. Here, we should also mention the benefits of state-owned enterprises which, if run well, can play an indispensable role in boosting manufacturing. For example, these government enterprises can run steel industries to supply cheap steel, power stations to provide cheap electricity, banks to give affordable loans, etc. Conclusion So this has been a long podcast, but manufacturing is a very important topic, and I hope you found it useful. To summarize, manufacturing is a foundational and critical sector of any country. It provides jobs, economic growth, and national security. Manufacturing along with exports are indispensable for developing nations to raise the living standards and escape the middle-income trap. 4. Providing cheaper products without compromising on quality is possible and key to success. The ability to scale is crucial. Many facets of manufacturing involve high-tech, engineering skills, research, and soft skills, such as design and marketing. There are holistic factors that determine success in manufacturing, such as infrastructure, construction, education slash training, automation, technology, innovation, government support, ecosystem, and so on. Countries that ignore manufacturing are doomed to slow growth. On the other hand, countries that master end-to-end manufacturing will capture large market shares, manifest prosperity, and enjoy geopolitical influence. The end.